Welcome to Year Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to the Year Full of Dirt Podcast, everyone. My name is Joshua Fredlin. Uh, you can find me at Josh Fred on Twitter. Joining me tonight is Liam Poach. Um, you can find him at Poacher Rugby on Twitter. Um, Craig couldn't join us tonight. He had a client dinner or something to that effect. But other than that, Liam, how's your week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, was just on set for the last couple of days. Uh, but before that, I got to go home to New England for a week, so that was pretty nice. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's starting to get hot down here in Southern California. Um, and my pool is starting to get crowded. I don't get to go down there and just drink margaritas, you know, on, on the chairs anymore alone. Now there's like children and other human beings with me. It's it's really quite uncomfortable. Well, I, I figured that, you know, I know it's L.A., so. Um, yeah. All right, let's let's jump well, right jo- into it. Josh, how, how are you doing, man? I'm, I'm sorry I didn't ask. How, how has your week been, brother? I I. T- I uh, it's been slow. I've had I've had to do all the cooking this week, so it's been it's been a it's been a challenge for me. Um, but other than that, you know, I got I got some rugby in. Um, Stanley, the Western Conference Finals hap- started happening for hockey, so I watched that last night. Yeah, um, that was a baseball score of a game, so that was fun. It was eight to six, Colorado. Um, other than that, I've been good. So. All right, great. Well, let's talk about the rugby that we got to watch this past weekend when we weren't watching the CRCs, the the college rugby or May Madness Sevens, which yeah. was actually pretty, which is actually pretty entertaining. I'll give it that. Who ended up? Who ended up winning? Do you know, do you remember? <laughs> um, because because once once Northeastern got knocked out of the out of the men's premiere, I was just like, I, I think Kunstown. Um, I know Lindenwood came in third. Okay. I know Dart- Dartmouth came in second. So I, I can't remember who won, but I know Dartmouth, Silver, uh, Lindenwood, Bronze. All right. Yeah. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, first game of the weekend, a uh, rare Friday game, actually, for Seattle, although I think it's their second one of the year. Um, yep. But we, hey, we have a triple, triple threat Friday slate yeah. coming this, this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> But um, a high-scoring game, probably a good game to get everyone into if, if you're introducing someone to rugby. Um, you had both teams looking to secure a playoff spot, which Houston ended up doing with two bonus points. Um, Seattle did end up winning the game 43-36. to um, 36. Um, Great game by them, but at the, the, just at the end, they just kind of fell apart. What else, what else did you see from this one, Liam? Yeah, so this, like you said, this was definitely a really entertaining game to watch. I thought there was uh, a lot of good examples of, you know, uh, you know, good uh, fundamental rugby, good systematic rugby. Uh, both these teams are have been known, you know, from year one to have pretty stalwart de- defenses. Um, <laughs> I mean, with the high-scoring nature of this game, that wasn't very much the case. However, you definitely saw the degree of physicality that comes with such. With, uh, with such a distinction, so that definitely makes for an entertaining game. Now, did Seattle win? 
Yes, but actually no. No. Because despite picking up the victory, they allowed Houston to come within seven points on that last penalty kick, sending the Sabercats into their first ever postseason in MLR history. Um, you know, as a former employee of the team, I love to see it, especially Zach Pangelinen. Like that that warmed my heart seeing him like, you know, break down and show emotion. Uh, once it became clear that Houston was going to be going to the postseason because he's given that organization just so much. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Sabercats this season, they fought for everything that they've earned. Um, they play a really complete game within their own system. Um, there's enough glasses of champagne w- w- within their system, you know, on, on a game-to-game basis to get, you know, to get them tipsy enough, to get their opponent tipsy enough, I guess they could say. Um, but you, they usually play a really good fundamental game. Uh, the Saber Box, you know, uh, like that that import of talent from overseas definitely kind of uh, it. It was beneficial to the on-field culture and the on-field uh, discipline. So yeah, good, good, big ups to Houston. Um, didn't get the W, but they certainly won in many other ways. And um, hey, you know they're uh, they're not going to be hosting the game at Aviva, so they need. They need all the morale victory they get. They can get. Yeah, funny you mentioned. Funny you mentioned discipline when they end up with three suspensions on the year. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, right. there's a there's a different like discipline is like staying in formation. It's like you know passing <laughs> passing to the open man rather than like you know trying to take on three defenders. That's discipline. Now, whether or not you throw a shoulder into into a breakdown with no attempt to wrap, that's that's a whole other. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Next up, another secure playoff spot victory. We had Rugby ATL defeat Toronto to secure the Fire and Ice Cup and their playoff spot. ATL ended up beating Toronto 34-23. to um, Toronto was mainly in it due to the boot of Sammy Malcolm. They only scored two tries on the day, uh, one from Johnny Sheridan and one from Ross Barode. Um Actually, they didn't score any points in the second half, so hats off to ATL for holding them down. But um, I, th- I think we finally we saw ATL kind of slide back a little bit. They've, they've kind of been up and, up and down all, all year almost, uh, you know, and then they were on that downshift and finally looked to go on that upswing as they head into the playoffs. But what, I guess what went wrong for Toronto in your eyes here, Liam? What went wrong? Well, you know, I, I felt like in the second half there was definitely a lack of urgency. Um, might might be the way to put it. I felt like they weren't, uh, you know, that they weren't as aggress- aggressive at the breakdown in terms of, you know, trying to start an attack in terms of getting the ball out. Um, you know, you know, getting the tempo upright, getting uh, some passes in to take advantage of the space that they had. Um, Atlanta is, you know, can be a pretty stout team defensively, and I think that they're. You know, in terms of the defensive phases of the game, Atlanta was able to, uh, you know, to bring a greater degree of intensity into the second half that Toronto just simply wasn't able to match. They're a good team. Uh, you know, you look at their roster, plenty of cap Canadian players on there. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of guys that are going to have successful MLR careers might even get looked at for overseas. But at the end of the day, there wasn't that th- th- there wasn't that killer instinct to win in that game. And I think Atlanta you know, you, you, like you said it, they have a lot of, they've had a lot of ups and downs uh, this season. Um, Atlanta is a team that doesn't necessarily pop to me, um, you know, in terms of an aesthetic or in terms of a, you know, in a traditionally American, you know, Oh hell yeah. Like they're, they're a franchise winning team. 
however, they get aggressive. They get very, they get very mean, and they get very determined um, at the ends of at the ends of games. And they've been able to grind out a lot of hard fought victories this season. So I think with the possibility of the one seed uh, still on the line versus Toronto, they were able to bring, like I said, they were able to bring that greater degree of defensive intensity into the second half that Toronto just wasn't able to capital uh, wasn't able to match up against. Yeah, I don't know. Can't find anything wrong with that at all. Um, yeah, next, I, uh, I also I also freaking talk a lot, so. Hey, work, sorry works if you didn't. <laughs> works for me. I'm straight to the point. I'll let you expand on shit. Yeah, I will say. Um, for those who aren't aware, um, we've I think most people have been trying to get MLR on betting services for those in legal states. Um, it was on. It was at least on Bet MGM this past weekend, and I lost my Saturday parlay by two and a half points. Two yeah, points dude, you, you lost in the freaking LA Utah game, right? I lost it by half a point. Yeah, me freaking two, dude. Me freaking right. two. It was minus seven and a half. I put twenty five on it. Seriously, Utah. Like you know, like you know, shout out to Big Sexy Mr. Mikey Teo himself, one of my favorite players of all time. But God damn, man, it's it's actually Joe Mato's fault because he scored the 79th minute. So yeah, but no, but 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 you know, Big Sexy Mikey Teo had that big run in uh, in in the second half um, where he barreled over like three different people in the process. Yeah, that, so that is true. So speaking of LA Utah, it was 39-32 Utah. That is where the seven points comes from. Um, honestly, it should not have been this close. Utah had three <laughs> yellow cards. The first thing I have written in my notes under this game was this game shouldn't have been close. <laughs> Me and Josh are both just still salty <laughs> losing money. Don't gamble, kids. It makes you a pretty biased journalist, apparently. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, but but is it biased? Is it biased because this game shouldn't have been close? I like, I'm trying to push past the, you know, the lack of financial strain and you know, and and the in anger, but like, still, no, the the LA was clearly the superior team, but you know, throughout this game, Utah, they're just so they're they're so fast, particularly like around the breakdown, and particularly at, at exploiting space when it's there, even for a second. LA is this very, you know, heavy, hard-hitting team that, you know, will, will run you over with guys like Honko and Ryberg and Billy Meeks, um, and you know, but and I think, you know, this long season of, of ups and downs for LA has kind of started to catch up with them. So when they come up against a team like Utah with a lot of Islander players who are very quick on their feet, I think it just started to kind of tax on them, and the the end result is me and Josh missing out on like, you know, a I don't know how much you bet, man, but I missed out on like a fifty dollar payout. <laughs> I put ten dollars. I think I missed out on like sixty. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, also, but what did you think of this game? I kind of jumped you there. No, you could, like I think I, we said it all. It was like you just. Well, yeah, it shouldn't have been this close. Lasique and Goff and Van Buren, and honestly, it was mostly the forwards for Utah. Um, Joe Mano being the only outside of the outside of the kicks. Joe Mano being the only warrior that scored. Uh, honestly, actually, it was all forwards for both teams. Um, you know, you had Charlie Abel, um, Principal Ivan, Lindsey Stevens, Andrew Tuala, and Hako score for LA. But I, I don't. I think Utah will say this that they lost because of the ref. I think the ref screwed over both teams here. <laughs> but 
who, whatever. Yeah, I. It's it's too easy just to lay blame on a ref, honestly. And you know, there's been a lot of conversation in the rugby community recently about more respect for officials. Um, you know, <laughs> but at the same time. Yeah. Again, I don't. I don't want to go on record. You know, completely criticizing a referee, but there were some very objective things. Um, there, there was very objective instances in which I was just like, let them play, let them play rugby, or that, or the fact that they were missing, uh, like you know, that they were they were missing pretty blatant things, uh, particularly one little hit around the breakdown. That yeah, uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna start I'm gonna start to get snarky if I if I oh. keep on going. Um, I didn't think the I didn't think the officiating was you know, as big a deal as some people were making it. I think Reddit just becomes a, you know, becomes a circle, circle, you know, what with that, with that kind of criticism. Well, I, I think N- Niall Saunders probably would have joined it because he got a red card after the game was over. Yeah. Um, oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. I forgot that he like, was like, he said something to the ref, like walking off and the rep and it was just like, you know what? Here you go, bud. You can just, this didn't matter to the game, but it matters to that player's record. It's going to come into play, you know, in future disciplinary uh, proceedings. So like, should should that ever be a factor? So, you know, he might have thought it's worth it because the game was over. But, you know, to any players out there listening, um, keep a cool head. Referees are people too. You're going to be you're going to be seeing them at the social. So, okay. uh, moving on, next up. Uh, we had Austin securing their playoff spot against San Diego. Actually, excuse me, I believe they had secured the spot, but were just looking to knock San Diego out or um, keep themselves in line for a first seed. Um, so that's coming down to this weekend. Um, Austin had one, two, five tries to San Diego's four plus three penalties. I mean, this one was even for a little bit, and then it just became the Austin show. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so I'm going to be honest. This is the one game that I actually didn't get to see any of the live gameplay. Um, I was only able to really watch the highlights for this one. Um, so going into this, I think San Diego's playoff chances had already been reduced to zero. Am, am I am, am I correct? We're, we're going to need Holy to weigh in on this one, but uh, uh, but I, I I think that yeah I think their playoff chances had already been reduced to, to to zero but when you guys when you have somebody like you know Maya Nanu or Stanfield on the roster I expect you know some effort to be left out there on the field which it clearly which which it clearly was when you watch you know some of the footage um you know Austin they still look they to me they still look like the favorite to win the west um you know obviously LA makes me nervous in that regard um they also make me nervous though cuz LA tends to play down i think to lesser competition so how they view austin and their you know their threat level to their defense of the shield is i'm cur- i'm it, it it makes me curious and it makes me worried for LA that they're going to you know view austin as a potential cakewalk in round 1 uh, or, or, or uh, sorry, in round two, should that be how things shake out? Because regardless, it's going to be somebody versus Houston in, in, uh, in round one. Yeah, um, yeah. It so is. it's it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But in in terms of the score, though, um, you know, San Diego didn't have a whole lot to play for. Austin had already locked up a playoff seed. Uh, so you know, Austin, I think, was just trying to make sure the point differential was as large as possible. Uh, heading in, you know, with that, and obviously to get that fifth. Uh, that fifth bonus point was terribly important, and it's going to be very important this week as well. And then I've, I've, we'll we'll have to see what the San Diego team looks like next year. Um, I believe 
if I can find uh, Brian Ray's tweet real quick, um, they had like seven guys who are over 35 or something like that. Um, Sounds like the Houston Texans roster. <laughs> probably. Six, excuse me. We have 34-year-old Dan Pryor, 35-year-old Chris Bauman, 35-year-old Bjorn Basson, 36-year-old Chris Robshaw, 38-year-old Joe Peterson, and 40-year-old Ma Nanu. Well, that will be their ages at the start of next year. You know, we're just like, they're so old. They're they're so, you know, decrepit. They're falling apart. Like, most of those guys are, like, less than 10 years older than me. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the nature of sports, isn't it? All right, so All right. we, we had other games. Moving on to New York, <laughs> D.C. Why does – I swear a lot of teams do this. Um, so before I get into my rant, um, New York beat D.C. 59-49. to 49. A week after D.C. set the record against Houston for highest scoring game total, they then broke the record next week, becoming the second game ever in MLR history to break 100 points. Um, we had – 11 try scores total, 12 if you include the penalty try. We only had two yellow cards, surprisingly, for how physical this game was. But I, I, this was just an offensive clinic. I don't think you can describe it any other way. There was no defense. Obviously, New York is playing for a seed, but there's just not. It was it was just all pure offense here. Yeah, it's like you know you saw it a lot like in college scrimmages. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like everybody wants to run the ball and look good, but nobody wants to, you know, get 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 physical and lay in for a tackle because nobody wants to get hurt in what is essentially meaningless. And, you know, not to say that, <clears throat> not to say that any MLR game is meaningless, but yeah, for DC at this point, you know, the, start 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 looking at ho- at hotel rates for vacations. All I'm saying, so. <laughs> Technically, the number one seed was still in play from a mathematical standpoint for New York when this game happened uh, because it came before the Free Jacks game versus NOLA. Yet New York's defense gave up three tries in the first half to a D.C. team that had nothing but pride to play for, as I said. Then, after an explosion from Ed Fido in in, in terms of scoring, I think Fido had, what, three tries? Um, Demir had four tries, I think, the game before, and then Fido had three tries... Fido was like the like the Alex Rodriguez, the Derek Jeter for New York in terms of Boston's perception. Just like so damn good, but like, yeah, why do I hate you? <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, you know, um, if there's one thing like you know that I took away from this New York side though is aggression. I, I you know, kind of like the the way I said with ATL, they're very aggressive. They'll you know if 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 their gambles work then that usually opens the floodgates for the remainder of the game. Um, but at times I feel like they tend to overextend themselves um, in terms of that aggression, um, you know, sending the ball on a kick while, when they should have kept it, uh, you know, kept the ball in hand or keeping the ball in hand when, you know, clearly, um, you know, they should have kept with a more conservative territory game. Um, those are the things that I think have made, made or bro- broken uh, New York season uh, or their games thus far, not so much their season. Um, and we saw a lot of that aggression pay off against DC because they scored freaking 59 points. But, you know, we saw the other side of that coin pretty clearly, though, in terms of the 49 points that DC was able to put up 
despite a uh, despite a bottom five o- offense in the league this year. So, uh, yeah, um, great. I mean, good job by DC. I hope they're able to get a win next week. You know, they should be able to, unless you know, who knows? But not not ninety plus points in two weeks. You know, there there has to be a W in the win column at some point. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Last up, I'm just going to say the score and let Liam go because I know he has something to say here. <laughs> New England, boat race is NOLA, 57-5. to five. Liam, go. So, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I don't even really have, like, that, like, aggressive of a rant about this game. So you're, you're, you're almost, like, setting me up to disappoint. Um, you know, obviously I'm pumped that New England locked up the number one seed, that we're going to be having a home game at Fort Quincy. Uh, the, the Free Jack fans are some of the best, uh, you know, in terms of going there, uh, in terms of going to the game, in terms of getting loud. Uh, so, yeah, so that that's going to be great. I'm pumped. I wish I could be there. Um, so in terms of the, the analyst part of the game, so for me, this was a game that the NOLA Gold never really looked like they were into. You know, I, I feel like they, they failed to get any kind of consistent attack going. They had lots of turnovers, terrible, terrible line play in the passing game. Um, New England showed they, they aren't taking their foot off the pedal, which was really good. Um, they, they were able to spread out the tries. Uh, Mitch Wilson, my Mitch Wilson, by the way, team MVP, uh, got, he got my vote um, on the, in the Free Jack fan poll. He creates on a game-to-game basis, he creates so many opportunities for his teammates uh, in terms of line breaks, in terms of his really quick, uh, you know, accurate passing. The kid also just scores and scores every, like, every single game. I'm pretty sure, like, he's averaging more than one try per game this season. Um, so, please, Free Jack fans, if you're listening, there's still the, – the poll is still up uh, there on the Free Jack supporters page. Go in, vote. My man, Mitch Wilson, also shares my birthday April 15th. Um, however, back to what I, I guess I do have a rant, Josh, believe it or not. So, but back, back, back to the analysis. Um, however, uh, New England had a lot, a lot of mistakes, uh, uh, in this game and a better team like New York and Atlanta could easily make them pay. They had 12, uh, penalties conceded, eight handling errors, five lost lineouts. New England score came from a lot of champagne splash plays and that, you know, unfortunately that's a fact. There was a lot of line breaks where Nola's defense clearly had just given up. Um, they need more, uh, they definitely need more discipline heading into the postseason. but getting that first round by is definitely going to make things easier. I think they'll, it's a lot more likely they can shore things up solidly for two games as opposed to having to shore them up for three. Um, and locking up the number one seed, man, that that's definitely a moral victory, and the the fans there in Quincy definitely deserved it. Um, I will say, shout out to Cam Dolan here. Um, had his 50th cap ever in MLR, so I believe he was the 20th or so player to accomplish that. And by I think Nola rewarded him by letting him take the the kick on their score to end the game. So and he he just barely missed it too. It wasn't like it was just yeah, it was a pretty good kick. Pretty pretty good kick uh, for a forward. For a forward, yeah. So yeah. that's do better than me. Do better than me. That's for damn sure. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna move into picks real quick, um, and then we'll have a couple of discussions that we want to go over. So first up, part of the tri- the trifecta of games on Friday, June third, at seven p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network. In your view, we have Nola visiting. Rugby ATL for the first time this year. Um, I 
no, ATL has seating on the line here. I mean, them and Rugby New York are tied going into this game um, on 52 points. ATL currently has the tiebreaker. Um, it is possible for New York to do this, but they would have to beat New England by like 100 points to accomplish that. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I got to go Nola by 12 here just because – not Nola, see, damn. Rugby ATL by 12. <laughs> I'm going rugby ATL by 12 because they want to secure home field advantage for the first round so that they can – although I don't know if they actually want to do that because they lost to New York at home and beat them on the road. So, But I'm going rugby ATL by 12. Sweet. So uh, despite ATL having the playoff seed locked in and Nola having nothing to play for but pride, um, you know, it's obviously, as Josh said, it's still in ATL's best interest to win this one. They're 84 points ahead of New York in terms of total point differential. So a victory over Nola while New York has to test their luck with New England, um, that's a pretty good chance of ensuring uh, a home playoff game heading into round one. So uh, I'm going to go ATL by 20. All right. That's it. That's uh, they always play each other close, so that's this kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, large spread for me. But so yeah. obviously, um, a rule here at Earful of Dirt: um, do not hold our picks on the show to us on Super Brew. <laughs> right? That's oh, I'm actually making my Super Brew picks right now. Really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, because like when I make my Super Brew picks, I'm, picks, I'm just like, yeah, pick it out. Thirteen looks like a pretty number. You know. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have Rugby New York versus the New England Free Jacks, also kicking off at 7 p.m. Eastern on Friday, June 3rd, on the Rugby Network, NBC Sports Boston, and MSG Networks. Um, New York, New England's probably going to lay off here. I should pick New York, but I have already locked in my pick on Super Brew. I am taking New England by five. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, you know, like you said, New England, they've got the one seed locked in um, and they've already got two victories over New York already this season. So the Cold War um, goes to New England once again uh, for 2022. So don't be surprised if guys like, you know, Dougie Fife, Bodine Walker, Josh Larson, um, you know, even Mitch Wilson aren't going to be available for this one. Uh, That definitely gives New York the perfect opportunity to strike, possibly force Atlanta to, uh, you know, to travel north to New Jersey for round one of the playoffs, uh, which they would definitely like, um, you know, if Nola were to somehow pull off the the ultimate upset there. Um, oh God, I just don't want to freaking pick New York. You know, um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, I, I think this game is going to end in a draw. Uh, I'm going to say 23 all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> dude. So there hasn't been a, a tie. There has not been a, a single draw in MLR this season. This could very well be it, dude. I will look like a damn seer. I'm going to be Baba Yaga in this business if I, right. if I pick this correctly. <laughs> Rounding out the trifecta on Friday, June 3rd, this kickoff at 9 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 2. Austin is visiting Houston for the Texas Cup. I believe that is on the line if it has not already been decided. Um, man, Austin wants to – probably going to go all out here. Houston has nothing to play for unless they beat Austin by 200-something points. Um, I'm going to go Austin by two. Yeah. So, like you said, man, it's all about seeding for Austin. Um, L.A., they have a, their game versus Seattle. 
Uh, Seattle is definitely a team which has proven itself capable of beating playoff caliber teams in the past. So Austin's best bet is to try and win this one and win it handedly in order to secure that fifth bonus point. Because I think, you know, there's definitely the possibility that becomes very uh, important in terms of getting that home playoff game. Um, so don't be surprised if some of their starters do get some rest, um, you know, because what, um, I'm sorry, don't be surprised if some of Houston starters get some rest as well as Austin starters, because they both know they're going to the playoffs. Um, but Houston has less to play for than Austin. So Austin might see themselves as having an opportunity to sneak a victory from Houston on this one, you know, despite maybe not fielding a complete roster, but you know, who, who who knows? You know, I think, like I said, I think Austin will definitely be looking for that fifth bonus point in particular in this one. So I'm going to say Austin by ten. Um, the lone Saturday game this week, kicking off at eight p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, KJZZ, and Valley Sports Southwest on tape delay. We have Utah visiting Dallas. Nothing to play for here except for pride. I mean, Utah set a record earlier this year that since that was then broken like five other times. Um, I got to go Utah by 30. Yeah. Um, so Dallas, they've got one more game. They've got one more shot to avoid the Hugh Jacksoning uh, going 0-16. And, and you got to hand it to them. They've left their hearts on the field every single time, despite me apparently making mean memes about them for Reddit. And I'm a terrible person for it. I should be ashamed of myself. <laughs> but uh anyway yeah i don't you know for the for many of the reasons why i said utah was so competitive against los angeles this past week um i'm gonna say it's gonna be utah by 40 fair enough fair enough next up first game on sunday june 5th at 12 p.m eastern on the rugby network nbc sports washington and tsn for those in canada we have old glory visiting toronto for the second time this year um, again, nothing to play for. Probably going to get some young guys out on both sides. Toronto by... Yeah. Um, DC, like I said, they've put up more than 90 points in the last two weeks and still haven't won a game at that time. So something has to give in Toronto? I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> anyway, like... like... I'm a huge Danny Danny T fan, um, but I think Toronto is going to give them hell in their final home game. Um, you know, can, the, the Canadians up there were really, you know, really really psyched to finally have rugby. Uh, you know, back. Uh, we call it stateside. What do you say if you're in Canada? Freaking Maple Side, Province Side. <laughs> hey, Maple Side works. Yeah, so they've been they've been happy to have the team back Maple Side uh, this season, and I think you, uh, Toronto is going to go out uh, with a bang on this one. So I'm going to say Toronto by 14. Okay, okay. And then final game of the weekend, final game of the regular season, Seattle visiting the Guiltinis on Sunday, June 5th at 6 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, Root Sports Plus in Seattle, and Bally Sports SoCal. Um, you know, L.A. wants that home field advantage for the playoffs. Well, um, they're playing a great venue. We'll get to, we'll get to that question in a second. Um, I'm taking L.A. by three. I don't know if they're – just based on the past couple of weeks, they've, they'll probably get the bonus point and secure home field. Yeah, so um, this one could get very interesting. 
So LA, they certainly have to make sure they win this game because Austin has a very winnable game as we discussed versus Houston for the reasons I've already mentioned. Um, but Seattle, meanwhile, never been one to back down. I'm sure they're going to want to send a message to the rest of the Western Conference that they're going to be back for the, the for the hunt, the the Orca Pod hunt. Uh, you know, next year as whatever the hell they call it up there in Rainyville. Um, but I'm hope I'm hoping to see my man Darrell Williams at least get some. Uh, so, some playing time for the Seawolves, uh, second round pick in this past uh, this past MLR draft. Um, so I guess that's the only reason why I'm kind of pulling for Seattle in this one. However, both LA and Austin could see reason to rest starters. Uh, you know, again because they've got they've got the playoff seed locked up, whether or not it's it's home or not. Um, you know, but again, uh, it depends how valuable they see that home uh, home field advantage as being. So I'm going to go L.A. by two on this one. I think it's going to be wicked close. All right. Fair enough. All right. Question of the week. Got to ask it. What's the best home playoff venue for you? I mean, I got I got four off the top. Like, in my mind, we have um, obviously the Coliseum. I'm going to put Dallas's place up there because, you know, I figured that would be a good place to see one. Um, Atlanta and New England. All right, so I definitely do have something to say on this for both Eastern and Western. So first I'll say it really is a shame that Aviva won't get to host a playoff game. Um, it's the best-looking field for TV, and the fans usually pack the stands week after week. That being said, I think most would agree that the Coliseum is probably the best option for round one um, and possibly even uh, you know, possibly for, for that bye week uh, for L.A. heading into round two um, and possibly even the final. Um, despite it being a little thin, as most MLR fields are, the cameras uh, used at the Coliseum are also usually of better quality, I've noticed. Um, and they have a fan base that are at least able to pack the middle sections of the field. So you're able to see that on TV. Um, I would also really like to attend the playoff game. And considering the Coliseum is 25 minutes away from my house, uh, that would definitely be a plus for me. Austin, they have they have great seating. And there's been a few games in which I've been pretty impressed by, by their turnout. However... The cameras there are freaking awful uh, for Austin, I've noticed. Um, you know, that just to me, it seems really, really grainy and dark. Um, one thing I say, at least like, there's at least Austin Stadium has life around it. You know, like I, I, there's like there's restaurants. I think there's like a theme park and stuff like that. So, well, at, at, so Austin Stadium is actually it is kind of in the middle of nowhere. It's just <laughs> built into the uh, Formula One track that's there. It's like one of the turns that's there. It's like literally sitting inside the turn. Oh, that's it's, ill. It's and it's next to the amphitheater. It's like so. There's the. It's like in a horseshoe on the back on the back stretch. There's that. There's that giant tower that's there. Mm -hmm. There's the amphitheater, and then there's like the the rugby field. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like a great setting for a playoff game for sure. Um, this. Other, other reasons why I have my reservations about it. So, I mean, I'm going to have to go with the Coliseum for the Western Division. For the East, um, we already know that Fort Quincy is going to be hosting a playoff game in round two um, after the after the Free Jacks locked up that round one bye. Uh, the field is multi-use, which a lot of people have complained about how it looks on TV. I honestly share some of these complaints, but hey, what you're going to do, it's actually a pretty good stadium. Thank you to the Cannons uh, for dropping a bunch of cash and then peacing out. <laughs> um, another one, <laughs> another one uh, I share is a lack of uh, another complaint I do share for uh, Fort Quincy is the lack of cameras hitting the stands. 
Um, but that's just a matter of infrastructure uh, rather than choice. Um, you know, you very rarely get to see the um, like, you know, like the two, like the three, four thousand people that usually pack Fort Quincy, you know, on, on a weekly basis. Um, between ATL and New York, uh, this is a no brainer. It has to be, <laughs> that's a no brainer. Yeah, it has to be ATL. The stadium looks very professional. The fans turn out. They're passionate. The weather might be humid, but it's still likely going to be nice. Hoboken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hoboken, you can't drink beer. Um, and, and, however, the one thing I will say about Hoboken, um, it has great audio. Uh, you, you can hear players, you can hear the crowd like get into it. Now, granted, that's because you know, granted, uh, like granted, that's because it's so freaking small. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, uh, definitely have to go like with that, like you. You could hear the guy, the people at the park in the background sometimes. So that's that's cool to me. <laughs> True, and it, it's kind of like like NBA Street. Almost <laughs> like you remember like NBA Street, where like you'd see just like random people walking in the background and like disappear, and you'd you know, see like you know yeah. you just came up with a great idea for a video game. If they ever get a rugby video game to work, rugby <laughs> Street, right, dude? That would actually I, is that a thing? Actually, it'd have to I'm, be something like Sevens or like that five yeah. on five they indoor one they attempted that one time. God, I just. I just feel like I vaguely remember like the cover of an old video game, like with a dude holding a rugby ball and it being like street or was it, like Aussie rules or it might have been NFL Street. It might you yeah, know it might have been NFL Street, but I just feel like I'm remembering I, I don't know, it's Berenstein Bears versus Berenstein Bears. Okay, it's the damn Mandela effect. <laughs> um but yeah, so moving on, um that that's stadiums where we got one thing more to discuss tonight. Yeah. Uh, but w- before we move on real quick, before we do, um, Nola may end up in the future being a good possibility. Cause I did see an article the other day. I don't remember if it was posted on the subreddit or not, but they're going to, they're looking at redeveloping um, that stadium into a, you know, soccer stadium since it's no longer being used for baseball. So. Oh. All right. Last discussion topic of the week before we head out. Um, first off, shout out to our friends at En La Mele, our sister podcast. Um, it is in Spanish for those of you. I believe Victor does occasionally record in English, but it's mostly in Spanish. So if you enjoy rugby en español, please go listen to him. He would very much appreciate it. We would very much appreciate it. So shout out to him, Victor there. Um, but news of the week, we have the first case of SLA, of SLAR teams coming north. The, um, uh, the South American Rugby League, I don't know how to actually pronounce it, unfortunately, because I'm not that good at Spanish. But they are coming north on June or July 11th and July 18th, which is both of those dates are Mondays. Um, so it is the Hawares 15 and um, Pen- is, it, is it Penarol or – give me – it is two teams coming to um, Infinity Park in Glendale um, to play. Wait, wait, isn't, there, isn't there a third team from BC coming from British Columbia? Yeah, so it's the two Slar yeah. teams and um, the Raptors and the UBC Old Boys Ravens facing the um, Juarez 15 and, the and yeah, Penarol is who it was. They are the uh, Uruguayan team. So those – Oh, it's June 11th and June 18th. I apologize. I thought it was July. My fault. 
Um, that could have been disastrous, Josh. So, like the entire it, rugby world depends on this podcast for their dates and their ticket information. How could you? I leg- earlier this earlier this morning, I legitimately read it like five different times in July because I told the one because I told somebody in the rugby union subreddit that the re- so originally it was scheduled to be the two teams in the SLAR final coming north. Well, one of those teams was Selknam, who was basically the Chile national team. Well, the Chile is playing USA in World Cup qualifying, so that was out the window, and that's why Hawara's 15 is coming instead. And we, I got into the discussion with the dude on the Rugby Union subreddit that it was July because of the World Cup qualifying, and that's why Selknam isn't here. But other than that, um, you know, we kind of give the American Raptors program crap a lot. That's just because of who runs it. It is a good program. It is great to get people involved in rugby. Um, we just also one of the best head coaches in American rugby, if I do say so myself. Yeah, Paul Emmerich. Paul Emmerich's a great guy. We enjoy him. Same to him, not in MLR. Um, hopefully, he gets picked up by an expansion team if, um, when that happens. So, what do you? Anything you want to uh, this one? Yeah. So for sure. So I I love this I love this slate of games conceptually, um, especially ahead of the World Cup. Uh, one thing I definitely think it will promote is I think it could possibly promote ticket sales uh, in South America for the Rugby World Cup. Um, SLAR is getting uh, bigger and bigger uh, down there. They've attracted some uh, great South American talent. Uh, and, you know, the U.S. Uh, has a problem with beating teams like Argentina and Uruguay. So they must be doing something right down there, aren't they? Um, you know, and, and also um, – I know a lot of people do give the Raptors crap, and I think a lot of those people are just kind of salty about the fact that the Raptors left uh, MLR. However, um, you know, Josh, um, like I was talking about this in our group chat uh, a little while ago uh, with with Craig and John Cullen. Uh, I think the Raptors are a very necessary organization, a very ne- necessary concept in USA Rugby at the moment for a number of reasons. Uh, first off, their focus on crossover athletes I think is great. Uh, because very often people always say that America has the athletic talent available. We have the athletes in the country you know, who, if they were to commit to rugby, we would dominate the sport. And so I think you kind of need that entrance in which these, you know, very, these high-level athletes can learn the game of rugby, but in a professional environment. Because there's only so much you can learn you know, going to play for your D2 or even D1 uh, program at the local park, um, you know, playing in like the American premiership or even playing in the, or even playing in the PRP. Um, You know, I think the American Raptors give crossover athletes that opportunity to make the transition in an environment that does have strict professional standards and uh, where they can gain, uh, you know, more perspective from more, uh, you know, from more established and accomplished coaches as well. and so, yeah, so, so, so those are, that, those are kind of my thoughts on that. And so, and I, I think, you know, having an organization like the Raptors who can, uh, who can put on um, a showcase like they are with, with, with SLAR, with SLAR um, and as well as with the team from Canada coming down, I think that's a huge benefit, um, you know, not just to domestic rugby in, ter- in terms of developing that talent, but in terms of the USA's relationship on the international uh, level uh, with our fellow North American teams. Um, you know, because yeah, there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of history with between national teams, between USA, Uruguay, Argentina, Canada, Mexico. 
Um, but there's not a lot of history like you see in Europe with clubs uh, going at it, you know, and it'd, it'd be great to see sort of a, a club, you know, champions cup, uh, you know, sometime in the future between MLR and SLAR. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty for, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this uh, coming to the U S and the opportunity to get to see this. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, we all, we give the Raptors program crap because of the people who runs it. We all agree that this program is necessary. So please, please don't take us crapping on the Glendale executives as us crapping on the program. We absolutely support the program the way it is. We just don't support the people who run it. So Yeah, you know, and obviously all 15 people that are able to vote in Glendale elections, uh, <laughs> you know, we don't want to disrespect you on how your tax money is being spent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just no, saying, maybe read the ballot a little closer next time. I just, I just it's funny. It's like all the program, all the tax money has to be coming from the mayor's wife because she owns both the um, gentleman's club and the pot store that are right next to each other in Clinton. Really? I was about to say that as a joke. Like that was literally about to come out of my mouth. And the <laughs> note turns out that's freaking true. <laughs> like, no, how is that not a show? <laughs> how is that not some sort of mob version of Shit's Creek yet? <laughs> but no, one, right. I, I call dibs. I'm writing that show. Everybody else, f off. I'm the one living in Hollywood. Please do it. I I would like to executive produce with you. <laughs> yeah, yo, Josh, I'm gonna like send you an outline for that show. Actually, <laughs> I want to get your freaking thoughts. All right. In all seriousness, for those who want to enjoy this game, these games, um, it is June 11th and June 18th. Those are both Saturdays, um, both two games each day, one at 1 o'clock p.m. Mountain Time, one at 3.30 p.m. Mountain Time. All of the games will be streamed on um, the Infinity Park at Glendale.com website. So if you if you are not in the area and, and want to go, or, or if you are in the area and want to go, tickets are $10 for adults. Um, kids 12 and under will get in for free and then if you aren't in the area and wish to watch it all the games will be streamed on infinity park at glendale.com so any last thoughts from you liam uh not a whole lot i'm definitely looking forward to doing nothing but watching rugby on friday as of yet i don't have anything scheduled so yeah yeah as i say i got hockey tomorrow um, i'll be out somewhere drinking beers watching that but absolutely watching rugby on friday so once again, thank you everyone for listening slash watching wherever you are listening slash watching from. We are Earful of Dirt. You can find us at Earful of Dirt on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That is Liam Poach. You can find him at Poacher Rugby on Twitter. My name is Joshua Fredland. You can find me at Josh Fred and Leet Speak on Twitter. Thank you everyone and go watch the rugby. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.